Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. It's season two, and I'm still sharing with you what God is sharing with me. Okay, so we're still in our series, The Best Story You've Never Heard. But today we have a little departure from the norm. I don't have a guest with me, but we're going to talk about an amazing woman. And maybe you've heard her story because she's in scripture, but I bet a lot of people haven't. She has a very short mention, just a couple of verses in Luke chapter two. But let me give you a little bit of background, a little bit of context to introduce our special guest today. Luke 2, 22. Says, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, this they is Mary and Joseph bringing the newborn Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This was according to the law of the Lord that every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now these are the words of Simeon. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also prediction of Jesus's death so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed then we introduce the character for today verse 36 and there was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher she was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin or married for seven years and then as a widow until she was 84 she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we get these two verses about today's special guest, Anna the prophetess. And can I tell you, we may not know a lot about her, but what we do know is very impactful. So a little bit of backdrop about Anna's story. Um, she came from a quote unquote good life, had a had a godly father, um, was raised in a family of faith from the tribe of Asher. And um, her life may have looked on the outside like it was set up for success. She was married probably around the age of 13 or 14, which is when girls got married during that time. And the Bible says she was married for seven years before she became a widow. Now, <clears throat> here's what's interesting. The life that looked like it was set up for success takes a pretty quick turn. And so that just becomes the backdrop of what we learn about Anna, because how Luke introduces her is Anna the prophetess. And that's already a contrast because he's introducing her by her gifting, by her calling, by this special thing about her. He doesn't call her 
Anna the widow, even though he tells her that's that what she is. He doesn't call her Anna the alone, Anna the the destitute, Anna the sad. He's like, this is who she is. And it's interesting because when he introduces Simeon, he just simply says there was a man named Simeon. Now, Simeon does um, declare a prophecy, but he may not have been a prophet, may not have been an ongoing uh, part of his gifting. But Anna is a prophetess. And this is notable because there had not been any inspired spokesperson for God for 400 years since the prophet Malachi. And so we have the end of the Old Testament with the minor prophets there. And then we launch into the New Testament and we see a prophetess, Anna. And Luke is very intentional to include her, even in these short two verses in the story of Christ. So here's the summary. She was very old because it said she lived with her husband seven years after marriage. She was a widow. And most translations would indicate that she met Jesus, the child Christ, at about 84. But it is also it is also possible to translate that she had lived 84 years after her husband, making her about 104 if she had married around the age of 13 or 14. Either way, she had spent the majority of her life without a husband and was ministering before the Lord in the temple. And the scripture says it was consistent. Because verse 37 says she's never, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So after becoming a widow, Anna decided to dedicate herself to the Lord. She never left the temple. She wasn't just like serving a lot and coming up to the church a lot and hanging out with church people. She was dedicated to the, to the Lord day and night, fasting and praying uh, wanting to hear from God, wanting to speak truth to God's people. She probably even had living quarters is what a lot of commentaries think because of how dedicated she was and the amount of time that's indicated she spent in the temple. What stands out to me when I think about this story is just her devotion. Um, her devotion was her response to what had happened in her life. And so we don't know a lot about Anna, but what we do know is really relatable, right? It's she was set up for what some might have considered a successful life or even an expected life. It was expected that most girls who came from a good home, she had a father um, who came from a solid background, would be married by age 13 or 14. And then they would go and have children and life would follow a pretty expected course, especially as a woman. So even though Jewish women were, they had more prominence than women in other cultures, they still were not considered equal. And so for Luke to mention her as a female and a prophetess and for her position in the temple, it just says so much about how God values women and about the uniqueness of Anna's life, even in that time. So her life seems to be set up for success. Like she's got good family, newly married, and I cannot even imagine what she's thinking at around age 21 or so where um, her husband dies. And I'm thinking how many times we pray for something, we ask God for something, and then he brings the thing. I mean, we have the thing. We're like, we're good. This is the plan, God. Yes, we are tracking with my plan. And then something unexpected happens, like a deep loss or deep disappointment. So this wasn't just grieving over her husband. Um, for Anna, that meant a change in the trajectory of her life because to be widowed without children meant that she would not be the responsibility of her former family, her, her family of birth, nor would she be the responsibility of her husband's family because marriage severed the responsibility of her biological father. But children are the only thing that would have created responsibility for her 
in-laws. So basically she was without a husband and without children, which meant she was without financial support. She was not just physically alone. She was wondering how she was going to care for herself, provide for herself. That's why one of the charges of the church in scripture is to care for widows and orphans because a childless widow really was caught in the in-between. So Anna is caught in the in-between and I'm, I'm thinking about how many times I ask God for something and he says yes and I'm like, great. And when he says yes, here's the thing. I am not expecting that anything is going to go according to something other than what I planned. <laughs> when we ask God for a husband or a wife, and we ask God for a spouse, we are assuming that God's going to say yes, and it's going to work out the way we want it to work out, that everybody's going to have a job. And we're going to have combined income and better house and more cars and an upgrade and great kids. And life's just going to be on an upward path. No one is expecting that you're going to get married and there's going to be deep loss. There may be illness, some kind of diagnosis. Someone's parent may die. You may lose a child. People are grieving the loss of children, miscarriages, or children that were um, born into this world and then did not live full and complete lives. And there's pain, there's there's trauma and hurt and unforgiveness. Sometimes there's violence in a marriage. Sometimes there's deep betrayal. Like so many things can can happen and we're not really saying, God, give it to me in the way you want me to have it. We're saying, I want you to check this thing off my list of desires. And so then when life brings unexpected disappointment, um, then we have a choice as to how we respond to that. So Anna is in a place of deep loss and disappointment. And it made me ask myself, what do I do when I'm in that place? When the good thing that God gave me now is no longer there and not through any fault of my own. Sometimes it's circumstances. I got myself into this mess. Sometimes it is just the sovereign hand of God that allows that deep loss and that disappointment. So what do you do when the thing you prayed for, you had for a little while, and then it changes or it's taken away altogether? Here is what Anna did. She made a decision to be devoted to God. Sometimes I think it is in those moments of deep disappointment that it's harder to lean into God because we are dealing with the hurt. Uh, we're angry or frustrated. You may feel like life is unfair. You're questioning God. It changes our relationship with God. Sometimes it can change our relationship to others. Grief and disappointment is real. I mean, sometimes we can spend the day, we can spend days and weeks thinking of all the things we don't have. What if this had gone differently? Why are they still married and they have children and I am not? Why is their life or someone else's life taking a course that, God, I wanted this to be my life? Um, disappointment and loss and pain, grief, those things can really be defining if we let them. But Anna is was at a fork in the road at some point in her life, uh, a fork in the road that many of us will face over and over again. And she made a decision to say, out of this disappointment, I'm going to choose devotion. So the question is, is devotion what you choose in the face of disappointment? Or are we needing explanation from God? I need you to fix it. I need you to replenish it, to do it over. Give me a second chance, a third chance, you know, make my life better than it was before. And none of those things are bad because God can do it. And he replenishes and he restores and he brings back what was lost. But I, I think that 
even if God is going to do all those things and restore and provide in, in crazier ways, like in the story of Job, there has to be some choice of devotion first because it was in Job's devotion, his his awareness, his newfound awareness of God, where he says, now my eyes don't just, um, my ears don't just hear of you, my eyes see you. That devotion, that awareness, that commitment, that connectedness to God before the thing is fixed, before the thing turns around is, is so critical in our journey. And so when you look at the story of Anna, <laughs> such a, a very a few verses, we get to see a lot of depth. And I think she is a reminder for us that number one, God has to define success because if you think success, if Anna thought the epitome of success and the epitome of life was to get married and have children, which would have been a common thought, even much more common than what we think of today as, as a woman's life. Like that would have been the thing to get married and have children. And for her to have like part A and not part B, <laughs> what happens when God is like giving incomplete blessings? We're like, wait a minute, God, where's the rest? Where's the back end of this? And so, yes, thank you, Lord. You blessed us with a child, but why, why do they have special needs? Or why are they have a learning, do they have a learning disability? Or why do they have a diagnosis that keeps us in the hospital? Because we won't, we want all the parts, right? We don't really want it necessarily the way God wants us to have it. And so I think it's a lot about defining success. What does that mean? God, what do you want from my life? Not just what I want from my life, because then God can bring a blessing. God can allow things to happen in our lives. He gives and takes away the scripture says. And when that thing changes, um, when we experience unexpected loss or a change of course or a dream delayed or deferred or or something is altered, it doesn't have to alter us. We can choose devotion. And I'm just wondering <laughs> how much energy I have spent asking God to fix the thing that created the disappointment or pain in my life or to improve it or make it better or bring it back or restore it. How much energy have I spent asking God to undo the disappointment versus choosing to lean into devotion? Um, choosing God in those places is really, I think, what he's calling us to do. It could even be <laughs> that disappointment is happening in your life because God is calling you into deeper devotion. Because what happens is when I'm disappointed and I choose to lean into God, then I'm reminded that he does not disappoint that he's perfect, he never fails, and that even in the brokenness and the flaws of humanity, it's going to be that way until heaven. Even in all of that, when I lean into God and I don't look for my answer in humanity and in the earthly things, I'm not waiting on this life to make itself better. I'm leaning into the giver of life, knowing that he's always better. I think it changes the game. Not only does it change our life experience, um, it changes how we see God which then changes how we experience God. Because look, Anna is in this place of devotion and then she gets to be one of the first to see Jesus as a child. She sees the Messiah in the temple. The scripture says she recognizes it. How? It's not because they came in saying who he was. That devotion to God, that that capacity to be a prophetess, that basically means a woman who, who can tell or interpret the oracles of God. That's what a prophetess is. She had unique insight into things of God. So she was able to recognize a move and act the hand of God because she was choosing devotion. If you let disappointment distract you uh, rather than push you toward devotion, you might be missing the next thing God is doing. Man, we can be so stuck in 
the last thing that let us down, that we miss the current thing that God is doing. It is in that constant commitment that we are able to discern the will of God. Maybe you're trying to figure out, God, what are you doing in my life? What decisions should I make? What's next? Do you know that discerning the will of God is directly connected to your commitment to him? And it's going to be sacrificial commitment, probably in places that hurt, places that are painful, places that you wish you could fix quickly or that never happened. It's why Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Y'all living sacrifice is not comfortable and convenient. It's not like walking in a covered parking lot to get to church in a cushioned chair and having your coffee while you're listening to worship. No shade. If you have coffee in your sanctuary, you don't have to email me. I'm just saying that living sacrifice is like constantly putting myself to death. I'm constantly killing the flesh. I'm constantly killing desires that lead me away from God. I'm constantly killing desires that have become my God, even if they were once good. It's a constant sacrifice. That means I'm constantly being disappointed by this earth, even in myself as I pursue God. But Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Constantly lay your bodies and lay your lives on the altar, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't, don't measure your success by what they say is successful. Don't, when they say it's a disappointment, you say it's an opportunity for devotion. We don't think like the world thinks. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. I wonder if every time something didn't go well or go as expected, we leaned into God. I wonder if that was our response, how different our lives would be as well as as well as the lives of others. You know, it's never just about us because the scripture is loving God and loving people. It's never just about us. So that's why Luke tells us that Anna was able to recognize that this was the Christ. And then it says she went to speak of him to others. And in our devotion, when we start to see things that God uniquely reveals to us, that we that we get to see firsthand what God is doing, we get a front row seat to his movement on the earth, his movement in our lives, his movement in the lives of others. We don't just say, yeah, cool. I I got to I got to see that. Let me write that down in my journal. Let me post about it. Let y'all know I'm seeing amazing things from God. I go and speak about it to others because devotion then turns into discipleship. It turns into inviting others into the same devoted life. And it doesn't have to always come out of disappointment, but sometimes the disappointment is happening not so that we can watch God reverse it or turn it around, but so we can lean into him. And let me tell you something, people are watching the way you lean. <laughs> people are watching the way you lean. If if the hard things that come in life like paralyze you, derail you, sideline you, people are watching that. They're saying, gosh, this God that they serve, when life happens, he's not enough to pull them out of that pit. They got to just sit in this sad, hard, heavy place. I want them to see that you lean into devotion, that you lean into commitment, that you're still expecting something from God. She was still expecting something 84 years, minimum, 84 years. She had been in the temple committed to God 10 times longer. Then she had been married. Do you understand that maybe the thing that you wanted, maybe God allowed you to have a taste of it. And now you're thinking he took it away or it changed and there's some punishment. It's some repercussion. That's not it. It might just be an invitation because she spent far more of her life 
dedicated in a place of constant worship to God than she did living the expected life. And look, she had to wait with anticipation, not for a new husband, not for her womb to be miraculously opened, which God could have done it all. She was waiting on the arrival of Messiah. And then she got to be one of the first women to tell people that Jesus was here. It don't get any better than that. And so if you're listening today, maybe there's some deep pain in your heart and God can heal it. God can turn it around. He can make it better, better than the first. We love to be like, your ladder's going to be greater than like, All that can be true, but it will never be at the cost of devotion. And, and before God turns it around, I think he's inviting us to lean toward him. And so ask yourself, when the hard stuff is coming, which way am I leaning? Like maybe disappointment is just a path um, for invitation. And I think it's going to keep happening and life keeps getting harder. What if every single time something went wrong, I decided to lean a little harder into God? <laughs> if that was the case, I would be next to Jesus right now. <laughs> I'll be so close to him. That's not the case. Sometimes I lean in, sometimes I lean away and I try to figure out my own life. But what if it was an invitation to lean in a little bit closer every single time? I just think our lives would be different. And then those that we get to speak about him to, their lives would be different too. So wherever you are today, choose the path of devotion. You might be at a fork in the road. Um, If not, I promise you one is coming. That's what God does. He just keeps giving us choices. We get to decide which way we're going to lean. Um, Choose him, not just for you, but because people are watching. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.